0: This is new classical tracks from listener-supported American public media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for the show is to tell somebody else about it and help spread the word. Take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. Recently, when he had a rare week off from touring, violinist Randall Goosby was out running errands in New York City, just driving around, making the stops he hadn't been able to do in over a month. That's when he literally pulled over to the side of the road to talk to me about his new recording with Yannick Nezes again and the Philadelphia Orchestra. It features the violin concertos of Florence Price and Mox Brooks' iconic violin concerto. And that's what we're hearing about this week on new classical tracks from American Public Media. I'm Julia Elmacher. Tell me, Randall, how did this collaboration with Yannick Neses again and the Philadelphia Orchestra evolve?
1: They have been huge, perhaps the the biggest champions of Florence Price's music, uh, orchestral music, that is, I think, in the world. I mean, they've already they've already set out on recording and releasing pretty much a complete anthology of Price's orchestral works, including piano concerti and violin concerti. So this was the next installment, uh, if you will, of that project for them. They approached me asking whether I knew the violin concerti. I had heard them at the point uh, when they asked, but I hadn't studied them. But it was one of those things where I just couldn't say no to it, you know what I mean? Uh, And I had been sort of wanting to continue my exploration of Price's music after my first album, Roots, came out. So I was thrilled uh, at the invitation. And uh, I then set out basically all of last summer, 2022, of performing and and really diving into both the Price Concerti. And then, you know, once the summer ended, we kind of hit the ground running in Philly. Both of the Price Concerti were recorded live in concert. So it was a packed, probably six days of um, a couple of rehearsals and then four back-to-back concerts with both Concerti on each concert. So it was a bit of a marathon, we had a patch session in between, but to make the recording with a conductor and an orchestra in Yannick and Philly that have been such dedicated and passionate champions of Price's story, not just her music, was, was really special and it was a privilege that um, that I'll always look back on with, with great gratitude.
0: Why do you think they're such champions of her music in particular?
1: That's a great question. Um, Obviously, in the past couple of years, there's been a big push, and it didn't just start with the pandemic, but the pandemic really opened a lot of people's eyes to it. There's been a big push to sort of reintroduce some long-lost voices to the classical canon, and Florence Price has been one of those uh, voices and perhaps one of the most talked about, I think, in this sense. And I think, you know, In the little bit of experience I have around the Philly Orchestra and listening to their recordings, of course, I get the sense that they really value the community around them. And I think going along with these themes of bringing more people in to classical music, I think they've taken very seriously, and they understand the impact that a person like Florence Price and her story and her music would have on the general public uh, and their interest in classical music, especially those who don't already have an interest in classical music. Uh, It's a new story. It's unfamiliar. And I think they've taken that sort of unfamiliarity and spun it around into a really powerful display, I think, of the kind of energy and the kind of mindset that we all should hold in, again, trying to make classical music that much more of a sort of friendly and inviting atmosphere for everyone. And uh, I don't know, I think Yannick and members of the orchestra, I'm sure, have, you know, different answers of, of their own. But from my perspective, that, that's sort of what it looks like to me.
0: Think back, if you could, to these live performances Uh, where the Florence Price recordings were made. And if you could, what was most memorable about those performances? Was there a moment, perhaps within each of them, that really sticks in your mind? And if so, why? What was it about that moment that really struck you? Oh,
1: man. I think picking one aspect would be challenging, but, I mean, this is really corny, but I, I think with Yannick's, It's just sheer artistry and also that of the orchestra. I think, you know, we were just able to bring so much life, I think, to just about every note. And I think that says a lot, considering that it was a new piece at the time for both myself and the orchestra. And, of course, Yannick as well. I mean, we were making sort of revisions to the score based on different versions of the manuscript which existed um, and I think really kind of having to get our hands dirty in such a short amount of time and, and you know, uh, to then have to take the stage and commit from the first note, I think gave us a lot of, it gave us a lot of energy, gave us a lot of inspiration. And if I can say one thing that really struck me about these concerts, to be honest, I think the moment I walked out on stage, because in a in a place like... The Kimmel Center with as storied and, in some ways, traditional orchestra as the Philadelphia Orchestra is. I can't think of very many more diverse audiences than I saw for those concerts. I think part of it had to do with, I think, the work that Yannick and Philly have been doing to again draw more interest from you know uh, the next generation. But I think it also had, of course, partly to do with myself being a black artist on on a world stage, I think, you know, people came out to see that. I think it had to do with Florence Price and her story, which at that point was new to so many people. That compelling of a, of a person and an artist, I think, can only draw the best kind of interest from places where you might not have found it in the first place. So that, to me, uh, spoke very powerfully to the importance of... of presenting music, presenting programs, presenting art in general that is inclusive and that is reflective of, again, when I said this earlier, the communities that we want to touch and serve with the art. So those were a couple of things that really stuck out to me.
0: Let's talk about the Violin Concerto number 1 in D. As a performer, as somebody who got in there and got his hands dirty, as you put it, what about this concerto really resonates with you? Is there, is there a section that I could share with our listeners that you'd be talking about and we can hear it and really get it as you're explaining it to us? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. The first concerto is very interesting. Um, if you've heard it, and if any of, your li- any of your listeners have heard it, you'll know that it's very... It is not ashamed to have been modeled after the Tchaikovsky Concerto. There's a lot of direct quotes. Especially in the first movement, perhaps some in the last movement as well. The second movement is a bit sort of removed from the Tchaik, tric- at least in terms of thematic material. But I think one of the things that I think is very special about the first concerto is that it's modeled after such a warhorse concerto like Tchaikovsky. I think it makes it a, a little easier, I think, for us to compare the experiences of Florence Price and Tchaikovsky. Obviously, Florence Price was taking something that Tchaikovsky had experienced and putting it into her music. And I think one of the things that I appreciate about that is that it very quickly becomes an example of what makes American music, American music. And that is the combining of influences from all over the place. You know, America is a land of people that aren't from here originally. You know, when you think about it, it's a melting pot. I mean, I live in New York City. Everywhere you look, there's a different smell. There's a different uh, kind of food. There's a different culture right around the corner. And I think Price really... Um, embrace that. She was like, yeah, I'm going to take ideas from this, you know, legendary composer, but here's what I'm going to do with it. Here's what I think about it. Here's what I feel about it. And so even if from the very beginning of the concerto, you understand where Price was coming from. I mean, it, it seems to me like, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this was sort of her first exploration of setting a violin with orchestra and what better model to take than you know, one of the most performed violin concertos in history, and it presented her an opportunity to shed a new light on some of these themes that Tchaikovsky laid out. I mean, Tchaikovsky didn't have to, uh, you know, Tchaikovsky had to go through some some great challenges of his own and his in his own time. But there were challenges that he had to go through that Price probably couldn't relate to, and there were certainly challenges that Price experienced and had to overcome that Tchaikovsky could never have conveyed in this music. And so I think it presents an opportunity, a unique opportunity, to look at these two very different artists under the same spotlight, if that makes sense.
0: Can you give me an example inside of this concerto where she might have taken an idea of Tchaikovsky's and made it her own?
1: Absolutely. I would be hard-pressed to find someone who can within the first few notes of that first concerto, the violin part, discern whether it's Tchaikovsky or Price. The very opening... Already it hints... I mean, hint is almost too light of a word. It's it's a quote. But when you get to, you know, that chromatic scale up into the main theme of the piece, suddenly you get to this D major chord, which is the same D major chord that it is in the Tchaikovsky concerto. And you get a completely different feeling, character, texture from from that melody, that Price wrote, than you do from the Tchaikovsky Concerto. So same key, same uh, sort of kind of motion into that you know opening theme, but a completely different message. And so I think just the very opening of that concerto is a great example of how very, you know, literally in an instant we go from, oh, is that Tchaikovsky? To, oh, what is that? It's something completely new and different.
0: Oh, I love that. Let's talk about her violin concerto number two. This one, is this just all in one movement? Is that the idea of this work? That is. So tell me about this piece and what are we learning about Florence Price in this second concerto after she's gotten beyond that first one where she's, you know, looking to Tchaikovsky? What is she doing in this second concerto? Is she making it more of her own?
1: Absolutely. I think she said, I'm going to write this exactly how I want to write it. Uh, Obviously, it's very unusual for a concerto. It's it's not even divided into movements. It's literally one, it's almost like a tone poem, if you will. And I think um, in contrast to the first concerto, there's a little bit more of a through line in terms of the themes and the motifs that she uses and continues to come back to. There's not as much of a connecting thread across the three movements of the first concerto. But I think for that reason, the second concerto is perhaps a little bit easier to latch on to from the listener's perspective because you can there's recognizable themes that that tie it all together. And you ask what we learn about Florence Price. I mean, I think she's gone even further in the direction that she was already sort of trying to go with the first concerto, which is just full of surprises. I think maybe even more so than the first concerto, we get a really good taste of this dichotomy that Price sort of lived in between this very American spiritual, soulful singing kind of sound, kind of texture. And that juxtaposed against a sort of Straussian or Tchaikovskian adventurousness, I think, in terms of the harmonic movement in the piece. There's a lot of athletics, there's a lot of very quick-moving notes and very fleeting uh, harmonies that kind of keep you on the edge of your seat. Until suddenly, it all gives way to the richest, chocolatiest, just, again, singing, soulful quality. I think again, it's just it—it it, it was her next step, and I think she—it's—it's it's apparent to me that she was quite a bit more comfortable with the setting of a concerto, and she just changed things up and and went against the grain, I think, in terms of the form and structure of the piece.
0: Now, why pair these two works with the Mox Brook Violin Concerto Number no. One in G Minor?
1: That's a great question. I said I used the word uh, dichotomy or juxtaposition just now. And the price is old in the sense that it was written, you know, almost 100 years ago, but it's new in the sense that nobody knows it. Nobody had heard it. I hadn't really, you know, heard it properly prior to studying and performing these. So it's something that's old, but new and very dear to me for obvious reasons, paired with the Brug, which is. Old, but old. Everybody knows the brook. Uh, but it's something that's as important and as integral to my voice as an artist. I fell in love with the violin because of music like the brook concerto or the Mendelssohn concerto or the Brahms concerto. Not because of the Price Concerti. But the Price Concerti have sort of injected new like to me in terms of, you know, uh, having some sort of a guiding um purpose behind a lot of my programming whereas the brook i mean it's quite a bit of the opposite you assume that everybody knows the brook you assume that people are going to have something to latch onto and i think in a way the brook is a way in for listeners who are a bit more on the traditional classical side of things and the price is something to draw in those who have heard the brook too many times
0: <laughs> you know what i mean so or it's or maybe even the other way around now you brought in new people with the price and they're also discovering Mox Brook for the first time.
1: Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a fun way to honor what I think is my artistic voice and, and, and honor music that's very special to me, but for very different reasons.
0: How are you putting your signature on this Moxbrook, War Horse of a Violin Concerto?
1: I think to put it simply, by playing it. You know, uh, I think Mr. Perlman uh, articulated this to me once, which is that no matter how hard you try, you just can't play like someone else. You know, and that's something that I have long since embraced. And... The Bruch Concerto is one of those pieces that, like I said, everybody knows, but I would I would hesitate to assume that anyone hears it the same way. So I think just in collaborating with, you know, Yannick and Philly and being in the moment that we were in when we recorded it makes that recording one of a kind, you know? And I would say the same if we made the recording again today. It'd be completely different from the one that, that you hear on the album. So, yeah, I I guess that's the best way I can answer your question. I sort of just played it how I hear it.
0: You spent some time in Philadelphia growing up, so I was curious if— was. Was this maybe some kind of a homecoming for you to get to play with the Philadelphia Orchestra on this recording or in these pieces in that live setting?
1: Certainly, yeah. I think in a way it was. We lived in Philly from like 97 to 2002 or something like that. So it was quite a long time ago. Uh, I have very, very few memories of, of actually being in Philly, especially in the city and around the Kimmel Center. But I love Philly, I have some very close friends and family in Philly, and uh, I'm a big Eagles fan, so it was fun to go back and, and uh, you know, feel the love that just sort of surrounds the city of Philadelphia, and especially inside the Kimmel Center. Um, but yeah, I, I wish I had some more, you know, personal memories around the place. But still, I think it counts. We can call it a homecoming.
0: Well, you're creating new memories right now, so... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's the second solo recording from violinist Randall Goosby teaming up with Yannick neze Zagan and the Philadelphia Orchestra in the violin concertos of Florence Price and Max Brook. Thanks to Valerie Kaler, our producer of new classical tracks from American Public Media, I'm Julia Macher.